Welcome to Dad Will Know, a podcast about fatherhood, its ups and downs, its challenges and rewards, where at times a father and son discuss life pertaining to father-son relationships, and other times two fathers discuss their fatherhood experiences and the fulfillment fatherhood provides when you embrace its power. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Hey, Mark. So good to see you. Drew, glad to be here, brother. Right, so I'm I'm, ha- I'm thrilled to have you on. Uh, I love I love doing this. Uh, I love anytime I can talk about fatherhood. Uh, it it just lights me up. So um, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other a little bit over the the last year or so, and uh, and I know even doing this, having this conversation, has even strengthened our relationship because um, it's one of the fatherhoods. One of those things that you, you can't really explain it to anybody. They have to actually be in it to understand. You know. And, uh, you know, so I want to learn as much uh, about you as, as we possibly can, both as a father, uh, a husband, and, uh, and as a human being. So have you always wanted to be a father? Uh, no, okay. no. I wouldn't say that I always wanted to be a father. Like when I'm 20 years old playing Super Smash Brothers in a dark, dank, smoke-filled room, no, I... I wasn't necessarily considering what it'd be like to have an infant. Right. But I think that when you find the right partner and Mm -hmm. when you get to the the right phase of life, the right place of maturity, that's, Mm -hmm. I think when it hits, Um, you know, my wife and I have been together for 15 years. We've been married for, for just about 10, I think eight and a half now. Okay. And, you know, the first, the first few years we were getting our life settled. We were learning what it's like to be together to live our lives going on vacation. Then at a certain point it was like, okay, you know, now it's time for us to level up. I heard Patrick bet David from Valuetainment talk about this the other day in that there's, there's a couple phases of life that just really require you to, to, to mature. Mm -hmm. And the first of which is when you get married, you, you Mm -hmm. you know, that single life that Mm -hmm. all for me, you have to kind of, kill that old self and move into your married self, right. um, which is a, a big jump in maturity. And the same thing happens, I think, when you have kids. Um, you know, There's definitely things you could do to prepare and get yourself ready mentally and physically, but you won't actually take a step into that new self, into that new level of maturity until you've, well, until you've actually done it. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about that preparation piece. Um, and, and the preparation piece really starts in the beginning of your relationship. Um, a lot of couples uh, discuss their philosophy on children, and some don't, believe it or not. And then when it comes to decision time, it causes some stre- stress and angst. I'm wondering where you stand on that when you first met your wife. Um, how early in the relationship did, did the topic of children come up? Not early into the relationship. And quite frankly, Drew, I think that that, is a really important thing. It's something I learned later in life is, you know, you should probably have the tough conversations before you get married. You should have the tough conversations, maybe even before you get serious. Right. Because there's different worldviews and whatnot that are fine Mm -hmm. when it's just you and another adult. But when you start injecting, Hey, I need to teach my kids. I want my kids to be brought up in this religion or with this belief system or with this type of diet or this type of, a daily routine. If if you don't if you don't talk about that early, you might find yourself in for a, a big surprise because we all have different experiences growing up. 
and our, you know, I think it inevitably we all end up turning into some form of our parents. Um, so, but I think that that's an important conversation to have. My, my wife and I are, are fortunate enough that we, we have a very similar belief system. Um, when we got together, she was a practicing Catholic. I'd mm-hmm. say that she still is a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would go, she would go to church. She would go to her Catholic church. It was, it, she's hundred percent Polish. So she went to a church specifically that spoke Polish. Okay. So the challenge for me is I didn't get anything out of that. I don't speak Polish. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't go with her. Um, and I wouldn't, I wasn't real religious at that point in my life. Having kids though. And we talked about killing the old self and moving into um, a better, more mature version of yourself right. kind of got me to this point where I was like, so I'm a dad. Now I got these two kids who are starting to grow up in this world how am I going to do this? And I, it kind of forced me to look within myself and kind of go back to my, my Christian roots. So um, while I'm not a, a Catholic, I'm, I'm on the Protestant side of things. Right. We're able, we're still on a similar trajectory. My, my wife and I, we just have slightly different ways of getting there. Right. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I was talking about this with some of the men in my, my men's group, mm-hmm. we meet on Friday mornings. It, yeah. Like you just can't control everything. You just can't. And at a certain point, you just have to to say, hey, my actions are going to speak louder than my words. Mm-hmm. If if my kids are being influenced from other people in other places, you know, I, I'm going to try to prevent them being misled. Right. But at the same time, it, it it's it's ultimately up to me. If they come home and I'm yelling and screaming all the time, it doesn't matter what religion I I believe in or um, which worldview I have, if I'm just creating a, a toxic atmosphere, it doesn't matter. So I think looking within and saying, how can I project out the positivity? Um, you know, that's, I think where, where, where I think it really starts is a father. Absolutely. Absolutely. And no, I agree with you. And you, you know, you hit on some really important pieces because in the U S we have some topics that we're told are taboo. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. And that does rub off on relationships. Um, we get money, uh, sex, religion, politics. And uh, what I've been talking to a lot of uh, successful couples in relationships, they have the, the philosophy you have where the earlier in the relationship those conversations are had, so there are no surprises later on. So I commend you for that. It's, it's one of the things that... that um, that that some couples, you know, and I'm I'm curious with the re- if the if there's research with divorced couples versus intact happy quote happy couples, if there is a difference in how the communication was early in the relationship, and I'm sure you're going to find some eye-opening data uh, if they did uh, study that. You mentioned your two kids. I would love to hear about them. Tell me about your two kids. Yeah, so we've got two kids. My daughter is six and a half. And my son is three and a half and, you know, it's just, it's a great experience having young kids. There's new challenges every day, every year. Uh, they're both in a, a public charter school now okay. where my wife teaches. We're down here in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so education is a, is a really important topic of discussion. I think like you'd mentioned before, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have these discussions before you have kids, you might find yourself into a surprise, you know, do you want to go private? Did she want to go public, vice versa? Um, you know, what kind of school? So I think that that's, that's a big topic that's, that's on our mind, mind my, our minds right now, because right. at the end of the day, when I think when you have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, 
your primary role is to kind of keep them protected and safe. There's a lot <laughs> of, yeah. there's a lot of dangers in the world, you know? So I think that that's our primary role at this phase of it, it, this phase of parenting and we'll see what happens to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very good point you make too, because uh, we tend as parents, we shelter our kids and then we're that you know, and try and definitely want to keep them safe. And then when they get to that age where they start to go to school outside the home, um, you know, there are influences we can't control as parents. And uh, to keep that open lines of communication with our kids and have them feel comfortable to discuss with us things that they hadn't learned before at home is very, very important. And um, yeah. So uh, your oldest, your daughter, tell me about your daughter and your relationship, because uh, the relationships are different, father-daughter and father-son. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, we have a, we have a really, I mean, tight relationship um we're kind of like best friends in in a way right. although you know friends have different anyway but we're we're like best friends but um we're very active we love to play she loves uh she loves sports soccer baseball uh she she loves to swim very 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 we're a very active family she's recently caught the entrepreneur bug though from wow. from from dad uh -huh. um you know a few months ago she was she was trying to sell things. So she was she started she's trying all these different ideas. So mm -hmm. she was drawing pictures. People weren't buying those. She was um, coloring pictures, like printing out sheets, and then coloring them. People wouldn't buy those. I remember a few a few weeks ago, I walked downstairs and she was making bracelets. I said, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm making bracelets. I'm going to try to sell them. I'm like, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. So she made about five or six bracelets. And we walked over to the park. We're close to a playground and to a park. And there were a bunch of people playing soccer and I said, Hey, why don't you go ask parents if they would like to buy, you know, to buy bracelets. And the first person she asked, she was terrified. It was really hard for her, but she broke through that. She asked the person said no, because her pitch sucked. The pitch was like, do you want to buy a bracelet? Uh, and you know, over time we worked on that. And so what started as, do you want to buy a bracelet? No. Okay. Thanks. It ended up being, Hey, would you like a bracelet? Yeah. All right, cool. I've got a couple. This one's $1. This one's $2. And this one's super special. It's $5. And eventually she started selling them. And it was like mm. sale, sale, right. sale. And before you knew it, she had sold out of her inventory and we had to go to the store and we had to buy more, more materials to make mm -hmm. more inventory. Right. And um, so it was really cool for her to, to see her kind of go through those, those challenges that every entrepreneur goes through. And that was kind of a cool experience. Oh, that's great. And you know what? The, the, the fact that the first person said no is probably uh i would think a better learning experience than if the first person said yes yeah you think no, i agree well i mean because i think most people when they start their entrepreneurial journey they say oh i'm gonna sell something to my mom and my dad right. you know especially mm -hmm. at that age um but i tried to remove myself as much from the process as possible so she could feel the pain yeah. and feel the anxiety yeah. and right. feel that pressure because i think that's how we get better Absolutely. And the fact that she broke through and asked that first person is a credit to her. And I think that's going to follow through as she gets older. So tell me about your, uh, your youngest. Uh, yeah. So my son, he's three and a half, also very active kid. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's wild. He's got a lot of energy. Right. It's another thing I found out, you know, this was a really tough thing back a few years ago when my daughter was little during the pandemic, during mm -hmm. the lockdowns or just there was a time period in Florida was pretty open for the most part, but there was a time period where everything was closed. Mm -hmm. You couldn't go anywhere. We were just, I mean, I think for even a while, even the beaches were closed, if I'm not mistaken, right. but mm -hmm. we were just, we were just stuck in our home. And I recognize that like, this doesn't work. You cannot raise a three-year-old 
inside. You have to get him outside. And I think that's a real source of frustration. Right. Um, you know, both for me and my, my wife, like we'll be sitting on the couch and we just want to quote unquote relax. And our kid is jumping on us. And, and then you're like, just stop, just leave me alone. But <laughs> what you don't realize is it's not your kid's fault. It's your fault. You got to get him outside. You got to give him a place to, to move and jump. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how, how is the relationship between your son and your daughter with it's a, that three year difference at this age right now? Uh, it's, it's tumultuous. <laughs> he, he just loves to, to bother her. He loves to mm -hmm. laugh at her and, and, mm -hmm. and poke at her. And uh, it's very frustrating for her right mm -hmm. now. We're in a three bedroom home. Okay. And so we've got my home office where, where I'm, where we're recording right now in the studio in the master. And then we have the kids room. And so she also, she doesn't really have like a, a her place. She doesn't have a okay. quiet place. She doesn't have a place where you can just like get away from her little brother. So that's, right, right. that's a challenge for her. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, one of the lessons I told her is like, listen, because she, she was like saying something like, Ollie doesn't love me. He's always being mean to me. I'm like, this is the weird thing about relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the boys that like you the most are going to do the meanest things to you. I don't know why that, I don't know that why that works. That's true. Yep. But they, you know, they just want to get your attention and, you know, they don't necessarily know. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not saying that you should accept someone being mean to you, right. but just understand that all he's doing is not because he doesn't like you, it's because he likes you. He's just learning how to interact and he wants to spend that time. And so she's like, that's doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I know that's just the way it is. I don't yep. to tell you. Absolutely. And you know, there'll be a phase two where he won't even pay any attention to her and that will interest her too. Why isn't he paying attention to me? And he may, she may think the same thing. He doesn't like me, you know? And so it is interesting navigating uh, through that. Um, I remember when I have, uh, I have two boys and a girl. So my boys are the older two. And I remember um, they were a little younger than yours. I remember it was probably my little, my middle guy, Nick, was probably about, maybe it was three and six, three and five, because they're two years apart. I remember we were at the park and they were running around in the park and some boy comes over and starts to talk to my oldest and said, you want to go over here? So he goes and my young, younger guy, uh, Nicholas, follows his brother, Matthew, and that the other kid just stops and says, uh, let's, let's ditch him. You know, to, uh, he said that to my son, my oldest son, Matthew, about Nicholas. And Matthew took two steps towards with the boy and then stopped and turned and looked at his brother. He goes, no, he's my brother. He's staying with me. Oh, that's good. And that's yeah, good. I'm telling you, Mark, uh, the, the feeling I had watching that was the most proud feeling uh, at that point, because that is when you, you say that no matter what, the two of them are going to stick by each other. And to see that at such a young age, it's, it's definitely a wonderful feeling. Um, and, uh, and you'll see stuff like that. And when push comes to shove, they'll come to each other's uh, assistance. So it was certainly good to see. So, all right. So with them at that young of an age, what's the biggest fatherhood challenge you've had thus far? Now, mind you, my kids are going to be, uh, come March and April, 17, 19, and 21. So I'm looking forward to hearing the, this response at three and a half and six and a half. Oh man. It's, I think the biggest challenge at this age um, is that the kids are so needy. It, there's very few things they can just do by themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and my daughter, God bless her. She's at a phase where she wants to do things by herself. Yeah. Like right. she wants to give herself a bath and to shower and like all this stuff. But you know, she'll, she'll come out and she's only washed half of her face and mm -hmm. like her, you know, she's like, I want to brush my teeth. I'm like, you're using the wrong end, you know? So it's, 
it's <laughs> she's not she's not that far gone but that gives you an example you know you're and really so, wrong end. okay i think it's tough because you know it, it it's it's really hard for us as humans we get sucked mm -hmm. into our current phase of life and we want to be somewhere else right so mm -hmm. you know i can't remember exactly how this goes but when you're young you have your health you have time but you have no money right when you're in in midlife you have um you have no time but you have your health and you have money mm -hmm. hopefully mm -hmm. you have your health right, and then right. when you're old you have time money and no health right so mm -hmm. there's kind of this dichotomy of wherever wherever you are in life you always kind of like have this this desire to have the thing that you don't have like i'd right. love to have my time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Woo, that'd be great right you know um but but you know i just don't in this phase of life so i think the hardest thing for me is is trying to be present in the moment and mm -hmm. giving the kids the attention that i think that kids need yeah um, while still making sure i take care of my obligations Last week, I had a really busy week. I had dozens of meetings, appointments. I had some great business wins. Um, I run a mastermind for entrepreneurs, which has been crushing it. And that was great. But the, the you know, but it it, it, it was just tough because I told my wife, I'm like, I could use like an entire extra day. I just need an extra day that, and I just don't get, you just, I don't have it. I don't mm -hmm. have the extra day. Right. Um, so I think that's the toughest thing that I have right now is making sure that I'm present while still handling my professional goals and, and managing that. Um, and I think a lot of that is just trying to be the way I see it is I try to be aware of where I'm at in a situation. Right. So if I'm at the playground, it's not checking my Gmail. It's, Hey, I'm going to be with my kids. Um, I'm going to put, put away the phone. I'm going to focus on, on them. So they don't just see me staring at a blank screen. So anyway, that's the biggest challenge I have now. And I know that the challenges a year from now will be completely different. So yeah, well, you know what? You, you mentioned that they're going to be different. They'll just get bigger. And the, the, what you mentioned just now about the, the being present, I'll give you uh, an example of, of the same type of thing you said, but with the kids a little older. It was just recently that my oldest, who's, who's going to be 21, he said to me that, Dad, when you worked at the hospitals and you came home, you really weren't home. And I asked him to unpack that for me. So what do you mean? He goes, well, you were physically home. But you really were running around. It seems like you weren't paying attention to us. And now you think about 21 years old, what is the, the um, that's his belief system. And that's his recollection and perception. How, how, how true is that? True for him. And so I, I really started to reflect on that. And I do recall, I mean, I coached all their sports. Um, so I was present in that sense. So, you know, did he mean emotionally? Quite possibly. Because if you're running around left and right, you're there for your kids. So I was physically there coaching. But yeah, uh, there are times when they may be thinking something that you don't realize and you're going to find it out 15 years later. Yeah. So, well, and you can be physically there, but not there. That's what he know, meant, I think. Yep. Like my... um. And I, I try to recognize this, try to be self-aware, but, you know, my kids will get home. They've been in school for eight hours. You mm -hmm. know, I get to see them for two hours and then I'm going to spend 30 minutes of that time, like doing the dishes while listening to a podcast or we'll go for a bike ride. I'm listening to a podcast. And then the, and then your kid is like trying to talk to you and you're like, oh, that's nice. Yep. Great. Because you're, you're distracted. Right. Um, and the phones I think are, are going to, 
I mean, we're going to, we're watching it play out in real time. Like suicide rates are up tremendously. And that's because kids feel disconnected because everyone is distracted by the phone. True. Um, And it's the great connector, but it's also the great disconnector at the same Mm -hmm. time. You have to, I, I really try to stay present and be aware of that problem in my life. Yeah, that 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 yeah, it was a challenge for us when we were younger. I mean, the kids we resisted as long as we could getting the kids' phones. Their first phones were those flip phones, and um, and and what what was the challenge for us is we lived in a community where a lot of these kids were getting the iPhones at a younger and younger age, and then you have that peer pressure. Uh, you know, where kids start comparing themselves to other kids. And then, the, the, you know, you, ha- you meet that resistance as a parent. It's like, where's that balance? Um, no, this is what we do versus, all right, well, maybe we'll just stretch it a little. And uh, the time that I remember the way we decided to get the kids those, those iPhones was when um, our daughter went, not really missing, but went missing. It's because one of the mothers... When she uh, texted my now ex-wife, she, they both had the same first names. And it was a pretty funny story that the mother who texted my ex-wife, when she texted, she then thought that my wife responded. Mm. So, so she then <laughs> responded to the response. And it was, can you know Emma come over? And the answer was yes. I don't know exactly how it happened, but my wife went to the school to pick Emma up, and no one could find Emma. And uh, wow. so we had to call. We didn't. They didn't. We didn't have the iPhones at that time, so they're calling all these different parents of the kids we knew she hung out with. And uh, Jen got a hold of uh, the father of this uh, this girl's, uh, you know, uh, the girl, and you know, no, Emma's here, and that was. Right there, because I got a call from work. I can't find Emma. I'm like, what? So we kind of got all three of <laughs> those phones at that time. Um, you know, and it made me think, you know, and talking to my mother, like, what the heck was it like raising kids back in the uh, 70s and 80s without the phone? And my mom was known to drive around town trying to find me. Yeah. So it is different. So yeah, blessing and a curse, those things. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm going to end this, even though I could talk to you for like hours about, about children and fatherhood. I'm going to end this with two questions, Mark. So you're sitting down with young Mark, 7 to 10 years old, and you want to give him the best piece of advice about life that you can. What are you going to tell him? I think the best piece of advice I could give young Mark is um, to is essentially the same advice I'd give myself and my, my entrepreneurial self. It's, it's to make sure you surround yourself with the right people um, so that you can absorb the right ideas, you know, because in life you're going to interact with so many different people and so many people are going to have an opinion about, what you're good at and what you should do and who you should hang out with and, and what you should eat and watch and all this stuff. Um, and, 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 and some of that is, is great information. Some of it's well-intentioned, but it's crap information. You know, I'm, and I remember growing up, I was, I was a very good baseball player and I had a, at a year where I just had a coach who was just a real jerk. It just, he was just a jerk. Um, and that soured me for base. I never played baseball since after, since that, since that that wow. that that coach he mm-hmm. killed it for me 
Um, and I think to myself, like, if, you know, where would I be if I would have said, you know what, screw that guy. He's not my type of people. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this for me. Um, and so I, you know, serendipity brought me to where I'm at today and I'm happy right. to be where I am. I think though, it's important just to recognize that, you know, not all advice is created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the sooner you can kind of figure out who you are, the better. I think the best way to do that is, is being around the right type of people. That's great advice, Mark. All right. Now put a different hat on. You're talking to young Mark, the embarking on his entrepreneurial career. What advice are you going to give young Mark about the business world? So again, pretty similar. Okay. Um, I run a, you know, I run a podcast agency, so I help business owners build status and sales with podcasts. Right. Um, and I also run a mastermind community for entrepreneurs as well. Right. Right. Um, so when I started, I, I, I just, you know, I had a, an experience in the insurance world. I've been doing insurance for over, you know, for I don't know, a little over half a decade at mm-hmm. that point. And I was okay. like, this isn't for me. I want to try different things. Um, and I kind of felt like I, I just wanted to invest all my time and energy, just learning the hard way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But I think that it's 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 way more efficient if you can surround yourself with the right people. I could have leveled up, I think, way faster if I would have just taken ten thousand dollars and invested it in community or invested mm-hmm. it in a in a coach or consultant, someone that could have helped me level up faster. Mm-hmm. Because I ended up taking, I think, a lot more time, right. and it cost me tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to learn mm-hmm. the skills that I have. Right. So. Um, now this isn't a, a sell, you know, at the flip side, there's a lot of crappy coaches out there. There's a lot of crappy communities where you right. can Absolutely. just, you could just light money on fire. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I would say to Mark is, Hey, find your tribe, find your crew, find the people, the small group of people, the small mentors that can really help you get to where you want to get mm-hmm. and, and just try to spend as much time as you can around them, whether that's in a free group or a paid group or Try to surround yourself with the right people. It's the same. It's the same advice. Yeah, and and you know, you just hit on something too. It's it's very difficult to separate work and life, because it, I I say we were sold a myth or a, a bill of goods when they're about the work life balance. Because we are, um, you know, you're, you're talking about twenty four hours sleep for some of it, and uh, everything overlaps. Um, Mark, people are going to want to get to know more of you as a person and professionally. So, um, if people want to reach out to you and find you, how do we do it? You can find Mark Savant media across every platform. So whatever platform you like, you can find me on Mark Savant media. And, uh, yeah, if you'd like to hear more about me, hit me up, hit me an email, Mark at Mark That's Mark with a K. It's the only way to do it. Mark <laughs> at Mark all right. I certainly encourage the audience to reach out to Mark. You're going to learn something every time you talk with him. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for coming on, man. I'm I'm so grateful that you're in my life and in my community and uh, building our relationship, my friend. Thank you so much. You too, Drew. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you'd like to network with other fathers and share stories, please become a member of my Men's Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.